Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets. Just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTD Network Podcast. In this episode, Tolshi Vasani sits down with Richard Husseini. For over 16 years, Richard worked as a performance coach in high-performance sport with some of the biggest organizations and athletes in the world from Great Britain and China. This included supporting teams in preparation for two Summer Olympic Games, London 2012 and Rio 2016, as well as the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. In 2015, he gave end-of-life care to his mother. This experience changed his life and inspired him to pursue a new career. He now helps performance support staff who are burnt out from improving their athletes at the expense of themselves and constantly having to take on and achieve more to prove their worth because they're worried about losing their job. He helps them move to a place of calm, clarity and freedom to live authentically to their values of balancing their personal needs with the demands of their career, put themselves first and giving their time and energy to the people they love. Hi, Rich. Hi. (laughs) So glad you're here. And for those who are joining us, thank you so much for taking time out to join us for this question and answer feature on LTAD. So today we're going to focus more on a discussion about supporting coaches. How can our support staff, how could the background staff realign their personal needs in demands with their career? And we all know any career, let alone strength and conditioning, can be all-consuming. It doesn't have to be a strength and conditioning or a sports coaching industry, but that's the industry we're in at the moment. And this industry, especially if we're starting out, or even if we're veterans, it affects our relationships with everyone, not just our partners. And in fact, I remember talking to another coach and speaking about the lack of boundaries and trying to go above and beyond when it comes to having a career in sport. So this topic of discussion is essential for all young coaches. So whether you're listening in as a young coach or as a veteran coach, you are gonna find this useful. So I'm gonna be talking to Rich about the ways we can identify habits that are not conducive to our personal and professional development and ways that we don't have to be disheartened when you're in the sporting industry. So anybody who's on this live call, please feel free to pop in some questions in the chat. And if you have any questions during the call, I'll do my best to integrate them into the discussion. Or we can ask Rich at the end. So hi, Rich. How are hi. you? Very good. Thank you so much for another wonderful interview. Thank you. <laughs> another platform today. Another platform. Yeah. We've got the LTV. And I've got to say, I've said this to you before in person. I'm not said I have not said it whilst it was recorded, but it's such a privilege to have you on here and just to talk to you because you have such an extensive background, right? Uh, most of our audience 
should know who you are, but those who don't, give us a brief intro. Like, where have you come from? What are you doing at the moment? And then we'll focus on the, the nitty gritty about the uh, the topic of discussion today. So I don't work in, well, I say I don't work in sport anymore. I do, I work with support staff now, which I didn't think I would do. But um, I, I worked as a, my, my profession was a strength conditioning coach. Um, I, I worked for kind of around 16 years in a whole different variety of um, sports from the football, the rugby league, mainly acrobatic sports, for some reason, um, diving um, in England and also in China uh, and snowboarding and sort of a few other bits like that. And I'm um, grateful, grateful to work with English Institute of Sport and Hinsa and Exos. And um, yeah, and so that was that was my work and kind of what I do now, like I said, is support performance staff because um, I guess pre-2015, um, I was uh, a full-on strength and conditioning coach uh, doing what strength and conditioning coaches, doing what I thought a strength and conditioning coaches should do. Um, but I was actually pretty miserable um, underneath, very, very closely underneath the surface of that. And um, not that I really admitted it and not that many people have known that. Um, and I did have a good time in my career as well. Not to say it's all bad, it wasn't, but it was the stuff within me that I was unhappy about and which then manifested in me seeking, looking at the problems within each job as well as my relationships at the time. And so a uh, defining moment for me in my life and which might not resonate with many people, hopefully, but um, I lost my mum to cancer. I gave her end of care care um, in 2015, 2015. And the only reason that is relevant to this story, I suppose, is because it was such a moment of um, uh, reflection and it was a moment in life to stop, stop now. And it wasn't a choice. It was just the constant kind of reviewing of like, well, why do I do this? Why do I think this? And so from that process, and I guess really coming on to why I do what I do now, it really kind of highlighted to me that one, I was using my role in professional sport and elite sport as a veneer to hide my low self-worth um, kind of it was a way for me to get validation uh, to kind of, make me feel good like I was worth something um and that showed up in both my my within my peer groups but also my my social setting oh you do this job oh wow you must be really you know like kind of that that type of thing and um and so yeah like fast forward I left sport in 2018 um just because I fundamentally uh my whole outlook on life had changed and um and so since 2018, I've been working in this space of sort of really getting to help people understand themselves more. And only last year, really, that I was thinking, well, if I felt that in sport, did anyone else feel like that in sport? And so I began this very kind of just personal project, um, research project. And um, it's just blown me away. Like I've spoke to 76 men now in sport, all confidential, of course. And, um, but uh, all of them on paper have got the jobs that, I guess young SSCs or young coaches would would strive towards, and it's not just SSC. As I've spoken to, I've spoken to across the board of SSC coaches, nutritionists, um, performance directors, head of performance, sport technical coaches, all this kind of uh, this broad span, which is important to me because I wanted to understand the whole other people's perspectives, not just from the lens that I saw it. Through. And and the reason it's blown me away is because as, as all the subjective success that these people have, these men have got just under the surface, there are very key themes that, that stood out to me and standing out to me that, you know, that I experienced, you know, um, seeking validation, people pleasing, uh, not being worthy enough, not like always trying to strive to be more and do more because uh, just uh, there's never quite fulfilled this need to just keep going. This, this drive for, you know, one of the articles I thought was chasing the rabbit, like it's just seeking this thing, the next job, this, that, and it's just, um, there's so much of it going on and and you know that's just the 76 that i've spoken to and everyone's got a different take on that of course but um the themes are very they stand out a lot and i guess this is why i do what i do now because um i'm so uh so passionate about uh, um i was so focused on understanding myself that moment that grief showed me grief if you choose it is a doorway to transformation and that transformation for me was was really getting to understand who I was. Why do I, why do I think and do and behave the way I did? And that's a lifelong process, of course. And I'm not, I'm not mastered it, but it comes seven years into that, and uh, and it's just the most incredible uh, path. And I think that all problems need to start with ourselves. And and the example that I gave, kind of my moment of realization was that 
all the all the complaints that I was having about my professional life and then all the complaints I was having about partners and relationships that kind of stuff it, they all of a sudden they lined up and I was the consistent one I was the only one that was that was fixed and it was like it was, it was just a slap in the face of like oh no right I need to look at myself so sorry that's a bit long-winded but no that was really interesting I love the fact that you said so much within that but that last thing that you said it's really hard to look at problems and take onus take responsibility of those problems like taking a look at yourself in the mirror and saying I was a catalyst to that there were certain decisions that I made that led me to this circumstance and scenario but I still got a choice to get out of that so in terms of you're taking a hard look at yourself in the mirror and you said it so eloquently you know slap in the face it was in a sense because it is true people don't like to see that side of themselves and in an industry in particular sport correct me if I'm wrong Rich but in terms of sport it's very much a culture of high performance elite level working all the time you know there isn't really much time for anything because about 10 years ago probably even longer than that it was always about hustle grind work and sleep and don't sleep even just work 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 and those some of the people that you spoke to you obviously saw some trends within the industry but can you just elaborate on the theme like what were those trends as well as obviously what you'd mentioned earlier that you're currently seeing in the industry now yeah, I mean, there's there's so much, there's so much, and um, you know, I think validation, seeking to get approval, proving yourself, um, never fulfilled, successful but not fulfilled or not happy, um, you know, that it just um, anxious, uh, and all of this, all of these things, like. You know, there, there's a varying degree of those. Uh, another one was like too much, you know, in the sense of the, the term development, you know, kind of like, I mean, that's in, in sport and CPD, career professional development and all that kind of stuff. Like that's of course useful and important, and, but there's such a drive to focus on technical ability across the board, not just in SSC, but I mean, that's, that's where I was. And that's certainly what I used to do. I used to focus on, right, what course can I do? I need to do this. I need to upskill myself. I need to, you know, where can I be increase my competencies and all this kind of stuff. And all of that language, one, was so, it never really, I just couldn't, couldn't stand it because it was just, I couldn't relate to it, competencies. And like, it was so unhuman. And, and uh, you know, like, well, I guess what's standing out to me now is just, just like there's this such a strong focus of development and pushing and striving to be better. But the person who's doing that, you know, the, 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 the person who's seeking, I need to do this course, there's no, no real development or awareness in that person. And one of the articles I put out there, too much CPD, not enough me, and kind of really taking pause to just sit back and think, well, why do I do this? Why am I doing this? What are my values? Am I happy? You know, what, what am I kind of doing the things that I should and shouldn't do? Like the, the common words, you know, I should do this, I shouldn't do that, are such blocks. And, like the, you know, to really kind of find fulfilled. And I think what's so powerful, my, the, the, I guess uh, this is not exact split, but uh, it's either people who have been through, people I've spoken with, either been through some form of breakdown. And all I mean by that is a marriage is finished. Uh, relationships finished, uh, been fired. Um, not seeing you know, event, basically big, something big that's events, yeah. Health. Them. yeah, 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 yeah. That's for, that's kind of like forced them to stop. And and I, before I guess, or the people who are kind of in that moment now, like just just lost, lost in the sense of I don't know why I'm doing this, or I've had my head down. I've, I've either they've either come from a coaching background, uh, athlete background, or not. They've gone through the the degree, the masters, the maybe the PhD, and and all of a sudden they're like, well, what's happened? Like, I'm I'm just doing this stuff, and like I said, not to not to I don't think sport is not inherently bad. In my case, I was susceptible to the problems within sport, and all I mean by that, and you know, like the the strive to be better, to be more, to never better, never stops, and all this kind of stuff. Like, just I just played into well, I'm not good enough. I need to keep working myself, and rather than just that acceptance of well actually what do I want you know and um yeah uh, yeah and I think a lot one of the, another common thing that's come through and it's important to say is 
how much anxiety that manifests in, you know, the worry or stuck in the head, someone will call it or live in the head. Um, you know, there's so much uh, that's, that's come manifesting in, in physical problems, you know, and mm. one, even one person was hospitalized, two people were hospitalized at one point um, because their loyalty to their job and the, the environment they're in for a long time, the, the relationship between the, the, the loyalty uh, wasn't two way. And this person found out they'd been fired through the press after a very long time. And like, they just thought, and this is just one, one incident, but like the idea of loyalty and, you know, it's just, it was just, sorry, I've, I've waffled. No, yeah, you yeah. raise a really good point actually, because that you're not the first person to say that. And that's probably not the first person to say that to you. But do you think that's driven because of the culture in sport? So like, um, yes, I think, and I think certain environments are maybe worse than others. Um, I mean, some um, environments are more susceptible, more, more volatile than others. You know, I think football is an obvious one, isn't it? You know, like the, the, the capacity to stay in a job for a long time in, in the higher levels of sport, maybe not as, um, not in all cases, but I think we're a little bit more volatile. But um, I think, yeah, I think sport is, uh, I think the culture in sport is, there, there could be some changes for sure. Yeah. And within discipline, I think within discipline as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's veer off a little bit. And I just wanted to start to talk about, obviously we're seeing a massive shift in regards to men's mental health. We are in the midst of raising awareness around this area. So there's two parts to this question. I want to ask Rich, how important is that raising awareness? And is this still a fear in regards to showcasing vulnerability regarding mental health for men? I think, you know, uh, how important is acknowledge it? <laughs> I, you can't separate mental health, physical health. You can't separate it. So the old notions of mental health being taboo is insane to me because the, the mind affects the body, the body affects the mind they're entwined and and so the idea of not being able to speak about mental health is cutting out is denying a, such a fundamental aspect to each and every one of us that you know the and, and the idea of our health our physical health fluctuates throughout life hopefully we're pretty healthy all the time but of course we get we get viruses and you know that, that's just the way it is that's of course mental health suffers we go through if you if you live a good life you have to bury people. You have to say goodbye to people. You have to, you know, like in kind of the big things of life, like so mental health, of course, is going to tip in, in those kind of things. But I, and I think it's, it, like I said, it's come to a start, like it, it's impossible to separate. And so, sorry, I'm going to ask you a question. Like it's so important to, um, to bring awareness to it because it's not new. It's always been there. It's just the, the, thankfully the time is that is getting talked about more and more yeah and there's a stigma attached with you know men in particular and, and women too right the stereotypes mm. of what they class as men and women and what they should and should not do the societal roles and I feel like this is where I was saying you know um how important is it obviously it is very important because mind body is connected and we both have had conversations offline regarding that but do you think that there's still a case of machoism you know this um uh, conforming to an ideal male coach within the sporting environment we, we've also you know confirmed that culture has a massive um power play in this you know in terms mm. of sporting culture so do you think that people men especially <laughs> aren't as vulnerable aren't able to be vulnerable in in their mental health i think yes um i think i think can't aren't able i, I think the reason they're not able to is because maybe they don't know how to be mm. May, and, and i think it's not as you know you could look at an individual person You've got to pan out. You've got to pan out to what was their upbringing like? What was the upbringing of their parents like go backwards? And you see this generational kind of, um, you know, cultural, but also family individual, you know? And so, you know, uh, my example was, you know, like my, I wasn't, to me, well, I lost my dad at, at 16 or 
had a stroke when I was 13. And so I didn't really have a male role model. Role model. And so I selected male models that I thought people I had to be like. And so they were the more the dominant, strong, successful, what I thought was successful, so the material success and all this kind of stuff that I signed on to, which very quickly took me down very wrong, wrong paths. Thankfully, I didn't stay down them. And so, yeah, like the, the, I think there's an un, unknowing, just men just sometimes don't know how to, or they feel that they haven't got an, an avenue for that. And I think, you know, coming into sport, it's, again, how can you talk about high performance when you're not looking at the mental health of, of uh, kind of or the, the athletes that are working with, but the team as well? You know, it just doesn't, how can you do that? And uh, many people have said to me in the, in the process, you know, like they're tired of high performance, just improve the person and outputs will go up, you know, and, and uh, it's so, again, many people have used the word term myopic. Sport is so myopic. It just looks at KPIs and outputs and, you know, all this kind of stuff, which, which is a, an important point. It's an important space. It's not the only space. And what, what creates an impact in that space is this vast kind of complicated, messy, un, very often unmeasurable kind of um, facets, which doesn't fit into performance sport because it wants to be objective and measurable and it's nice linear graph, linear graph that goes up and it, it just isn't like that. And humans are not like that. And, it, and yeah, I say this now and I feel confident and I'm completely there, but I was, like I said, my susceptibility, I wanted things in a nice graph. I wanted to be able to present the data. I wanted to do presentations at conferences and be this person that can do that. And it, and it you know, it's, uh, I think that's where sport, yeah, kind of there's areas that need to be. And I think that's where, you know, the acrobatic athletes taught me that a great deal. And I certainly the snowboarders, like a wild free uh, group of people that can't be pinned down or certainly my, my attempts to pin them down didn't work. So maybe that's, that's on me, you know, and uh, yet they're doing unbelievable things, you know, with the human body. So sorry, that's the, yeah, I let you speak. No, actually you raise a really good point because I was listening to Ian Jeffries talk about the very thing earlier today and it was probably a recording um but it was online and basically he said the same thing like we're so busy measuring the accumulative overload and like oh we've got to this point we can't stress the athlete too much or or you know we've got to this point we can't push them and it's like well you don't know their levels of capabilities if you don't get to know them if you don't talk to them but you're so busy looking at the black and white you know data that the data is then mm. consuming and you're not looking and working with the athlete and I and I feel like a lot of times going back to the topic of conversation regarding coaches coaches are so busy not only analyzing and taking care of their team that's what they're there to do but what ends up happening and I did this in in my career is you're so focused on helping others you're so focused on doing the job right is you neglect your own well-being mm -hmm. which is almost like saying do as I say not as I do which is mm -hmm. ridiculous because shouldn't we be examples like mm -hmm. others exactly that you know and that's a common thing you know um people are burnt out that kind of improving the athletes that they're working with the expense of themselves you know and, and the expense of themselves because they're for so many different reasons that i that are coming standing out to me with the conversation i'm having but you know very much like either it's, it's self-imposed because they feel they need to justify themselves and justify their role uh, it's because they exactly that don't maybe don't value or don't know well-being i used to think well-being was how much i lifted how many miles i cycled and what i looked like you know years ago and yeah. clearly like that, that put, you know i was <laughs> far from being well and um and uh and so yeah like about being able to set boundaries being able to be clear on your values i think more than anything come back to values like if you know your values if you, if you and then you're comfortable enough in yourself to stand by them mm. then then that's uh that's only a good thing Okay, you re raise a really good question. I was going to ask this, but then I and I just neglected to do it. But I'm so glad you raised it because you talk about values. But me as a person, me as a coach, I never looked at values until after I got out of my sporting role. So it was only until probably yeah, just before COVID, I was like, actually, what are my values? What is my mission statement? You know, what do I want? What is my purpose? And I keep asking those questions uh, until I obviously got an answer. But don't you think that those questions should be asked as early as possible or as early as possible within a coach's career? I, yeah, at school. 
I think that the idea of that should be at school and like kind of really understand stand like you know beginning to introduce that and, and to idea like values to me are like the I guess the compass or the steering wheel you know like and 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 it's not values are not a destination to get to they help guide you in the direction and they can change of course but um it's just uh, without your values is you you're kind of getting blown by the wind in the direction you don't want to go or you're getting blown in the direction of the wind you know whether you like it or not rather yeah. than you can have an influence on on where that um where the direction you go in and i think that comes down to again i think it's important to say the confidence they need to stand by it because a conversation that's come up is like is and i use breakdown as just a, a term to describe someone being forced to reflect is breakdown a part of the path to success in high performance sport now you could break that question down into a few different ways like does success only mean you, you when you reach the olympic or, or elite level i don't think so and so that's again that's an area of value like you know, what is what is the measure of success but i think you know is it because you think if you look at the idea the conversation like if you look at an intern coming out and there's this it's probably never been more competitive more competitive there's so many people leaving and so how do you attain those internships and then the jobs and all this kind of stuff and and yet you know uh, to to be aligned with your values means being confident to say goodbye to a job if things don't change rather than putting up with it you know or you know being clear that okay this job is not right for me because of this reason or either letting or just carrying on and seeing what the what the damage is you know damage control whether it's a relationship or health or whatever you know part-time parent or, or that kind of thing yeah, so it's not just looking at values that we hold, but it's also looking at our boundaries. Because I feel like mm. as coaches, we don't have very many boundaries because if we're staying loyal to our employer or the organization, we end up getting kind of screwed over, you know, because mm. as that coach so rightly said, I had to, like, they had to find out they were fired through media, which isn't very pleasant. And it is mm. definitely degrading to think that you don't value me enough, yet all I've done is sacrifice. Um, mm. I think that definitely, you know, if we can assess our values, we can define what our vision of success is and then set clear boundaries. I think veteran coaches, you've got a lot to do for your interns as coaches come in, but this is definitely interesting. So I just want to ask in relation to that, how can coaches then reframe their thinking when it comes to common worries within the industry? Reframe their thinking. Um, I think, so a common worry, common worry that stood out from the conversations is if I stand up for what, you know, like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, values or integrity is not, can't be aligned. If you know, coaches are not people who work in a sport, they feel their integrity and their, their values are, are, are constantly getting dismissed. And so a worry would be, well, if I stand up to that, if I try and make a change, then I'm very, I'm an easily disposable because there are probably at least 200 people uh, way in the door to jump in on that job. And I, I would say one, like it is, again, it's, you know, what is, what's keeping someone in a job? So I think if you, you could break that down into, well, we all need to earn money. So there's a, there's a financial element to it, of course. But if you think of the real, realism, the realistic that we could all go and get a job anywhere we wanted to, if, we, if we're willing to work. So kind of, it's down to just a purely financial decision. And it's not down to that. Of course, I know we want to, you know, we're, I think working in sport, we're in a grateful position because one, we've done the work to get there you know but two we're doing a job that ideally we love and you know it's an environment so i understand it's not you know in that sense oh just go and work in a supermarket but i think it's not just a financial decision so then how much of the the badge is keeping you in a position of unhappiness and what i mean by that is well one it takes a lot to get a job in a especially in a top top environment there might be pride associated with that which is fine and everything but like so how how truly happy is someone in in that position if they're miserable if they're suffering mm -hmm. what is keeping them in there you know and i think i, I haven't got the answer to that it's, a, it's an individual discussion or an individual reflection on that because certainly for me the badge was a, a significantly sticky point for me you know and and i was terrified of doing a normal job and i would say what i do now is a normal job what i would have considered that back then a normal job and 
you know that it just it's just um we all you said earlier we always have a choice we always have a choice it might not feel that but we do always have a choice and it's just whether we want that a choice or not and uh, you know uh, i think yeah what is what is keeping you in that job what is success to you what is happiness to you and uh and there's a very good place to start i like those they call the hard questions to answer let's be honest they're easy to ask but very tough to answer and, and i'm just oh i was gonna say even like uh, maybe even just getting clarity on like on whose whose success is someone living are you living is it your like how, what's your gauge of success where have you got that from because for me it was the you know like and this is a conversation come up like someone works in an academy setting versus someone works in a first team setting well the first team oh wow your first team the academy this is all completely made up stories of course but like there's a perception that first team is better than the academy I mean, I'd yeah. probably say the other the other way around. You Me know, too. Like, Me yeah, you know, if you're looking at what what's being produced and the amount of impact and the, you know, anyway. But um, and so yeah, what, whose measure of success? What's your measure of success? Where do you, where's that come from? Yeah, and that's the thing. Is sometimes we do get caught up in the badge, in the team, in the brand, and I feel like it is conditioned in a sense that this company this sport is prestigious because we see it on tv and that means you yeah. name it but actually the people i uh, mean kelly were talking about this on our podcast is the people who are grassroots and the people who are running the academy i have so much more respect for because they mm -hmm. are in the deep end and they've got so much influence on the young kids or the organization and it really takes guts to build you know, people up or even mm. organization, especially if it's grassroots with not that much cash to hand. Um, mm. But yeah, we can talk about this all day, I feel, when it comes to certain coaching levels. But I actually wanted to stick with uh, male archetypes, basically. We talked about, <laughs> we talked about the um, apprehension of kind of certain roles that males have to play but I I was doing a little bit of digging and I saw on one of your blog posts that you talk about four male archetypes and you say that those four male archetypes were defined by Robert Moore and Douglas Gilbert mm -hmm. can you just delve deeper into which archetypes there are and then the meaning behind that because I feel like that is obviously going to lead us to to your program mm. too yeah, I mean, I'd say if you're interested, if anyone's interested, listen to this. The, the archetypes. I'd check out. I'll check out the work by um, Robert Moore and Douglas Gilbert, but I'd also check out the book by um, Rod Boothroyd, and then you know the work by Carl Jung as well. Like it's just looking at the the archetype uh, personas that show up. But the the ones that by Gilmore and um, uh, Gillett and uh, Moore are uh, uh, magician, warrior, king, lover, and so. They're the different take. There are different traits within that, and so I've kind of looked at those, and I and I kind of picked out um, some of the the traits that that I could see, and I kind of renamed them to fit into sort of what what resonated with me with regards to performance sport. And so you've got four, like as they have four, taking it from them, but the action taker, the decision maker, the change maker, and the intuitive leader. And so you, they're in all of us, and in men as in women as well as men, of course, those kind of kind of elements. But um. So, for example, action taker, the key actions are about effective actions. So they know what they want, sense of drive and a, a ability to set clear boundaries. And their needs are clarity of values, clear purpose or clear process, sorry, and um, stop people pleasing. And so that's if someone's aligned and everything like that. But then what we go through uh, from a childhood and kind of, you know, our development enter stage, that laid down a blueprint, a foundation of kind of how we view the world and how we operate in the world. And so that, that continues, whether we're aware of it or not throughout our adult life until we are aware to begin to look at that and how that kind of how they get skewed and so ways that get skewed and you call that shadow traits you call it inflation or deflation and so if you look at the action taker they're often overdriven to prove they find it very hard to say no unable to set boundaries 
And so you got decision maker. So look, just go through a few of them. Um, the key actions would be to lead authentically in life, form good relationships, and know their worth. Um, their needs are to be good enough to feel confident and have clear sense of purpose. And when they get knocked out, or kind of the, the shadow traits to a decision maker is lack of direction, low self worth, uh, often perfectionist striving, comparison to others, and of course, you know, imposter syndrome is a common one. Um, change maker, ability to reserve judgment. Um, to see things from many different points of view and to find solutions to problems so you know anyone that works in performance sport is is uh, you can see you probably can resonate with that their needs are to kind of let go of their limiting beliefs uh, or limited limitations um, embrace fears and to trust themselves and so then when they get their shadows are to be extremely self-critical um, weighed down by guilt and anxiety and finally the intuitive leader and this is kind of really about the ability to listen uh, and receive um, so non-verbal intuitive sense and the belief through experience um, on a the desire to be vulnerable, express kind of the, the, the worries, I suppose, and then not, not be able to nurture emotional um, well-being uh, and spiritual well-being. Um, and then the shallow traits would be uh, a sense of lack of control, feeling joyless or more focused on thinking than feeling. Right, that kind of yeah, an overview of the, those four archetypes and they show up in all of us and we can be, like I said, that our blueprints are laid down and very often we get, you know, those shadow traits that come out are that sense of over needing to do more, be more hard to say no and able to set boundaries, lack of direction, low self-worth, kind of there, the, the, the signals to show that, oh, there's, a, there's an area that we can work on. So you've taken what um, what in that blog post that you said that you've taken mm -hmm. what Douglas and Robert Moore have done, and you've created your own four pillars or, or archetypes, if you will. So you've got the action taker, the decision was it maker, change maker, intuitive leader, mm -hmm. and do you think within those four say spectrums, let's call them, yeah. that coaches kind of flit between them but based on their jobs or where they are in their lives i think yeah i think in different situations so you know in a professional setting that could be in different environments it could be with you know someone's leading a team it could be they could their their, their inflation trait their shadow could come out in a different way when they're talking with the people that they're leading versus their their, their manager could come out completely different to their partner at home or to their child you know like there's and this is the thing this is why I guess the program, the mentorship program, like it, it, we have to know where how we show up to start with, and 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 that's an evolving process. That's a lifelong journey, but we have to begin to understand right what can I work on now? Because I think coming back to the example I, I gave at the beginning, all the complaints in my professional, all the complaints in my relationships, I'm the only consistent here. Right, right. What's going on? Why do I think this? And you know, it, it has to start with ourselves and begin to. I think what they a really wonderful way that they've done is 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 um, is to lay that map. It's a map to begin to see kind of the the type of where we need to work on as an individual. And that's not easy, is it? To delve deeper within, as you said, not only is an ongoing journey, but it depends where we are in that journey, and where we can admit that we need support, right? Mm -hmm. So much, and and it's a it's a responsibility. You know, it's a huge responsibility to take ownership of how we experience our life. And, you know, and, and uh, anyone that's been in a relationship will know, you know, like our, our inflations, our shadows get magnified in our relationships. And, you know, and, and I believe and, uh, that our relationships are the perfect environment to do our work, you know, because they're our partners or people in general are just mirrors for us. You know, they, they, they bring out the side of us that that needs help that needs work you know and, and and it's just whether you can have the confidence not the confidence just the humility to realize right i've got a role to play in this and um and and to be open to, to do the work yeah because you can kind of go through life you can go through your coaching career just facing these things but not actually facing them you could come across triggers and just kind of dismiss them and, or avoid them as so you can kind of just be in your own little bubble for a very long time and never get to this stage right but this is talking mm. about you almost get to a point as you so rightly said rich it's it's something that happens which just seems catastrophic in your life 
you've now got to a point where you've hit a brick wall and you can't just run through it anymore. Like you're tired, you're getting on a bit. Like you just, you can't bombard it. And it's like, now I need to look in the mirror and now I need to face things. But the ideal is assess all of these things, assess who you are, look at your values and your mission statement and where you want to go regarding your purpose and your vision of success. So you don't hit the wall. So you don't get to that stage of like critical burnout where we've, most of us have been at the moment, right? Mm, uh, and I wonder, you know, pain is a very, uh, a very specific job because it gets our attention. And, and, it, and it, I think, I think there, there's a reason, you know, we all experience pain, this emotional, physical pain, of course, but emotional pain, you know, like, and, and that emotional pain is there to, to wake us up to do things differently. And it's just whether we take the lesson or not, or whether we're in a position to be able to see the lesson. And, uh, and you know, all, everything to do with the profession, burnout, well-being, and the profession, all of that sits on top of these blueprints. And so I know you could you could look at it through like the specifics of strength and conditioning or whatever like that, but we're coming back to that. We're still people. We've been in for, we've been affected by our experiences to form who we are up until this very moment. And so, do we continue to just let them inform us without thought, or do we begin to think right? There's a new way. There's a different way of doing this here. Not that anything's bad, or you know, but okay, now is the time that I can begin to see, and I want to change this aspect of how it shows up because it's in effect to me. Whether it could be limited, you know, it could be affecting happiness across the board it could be affecting our progress in our career you know it could be that you know it could be so many different avenues but like i think to start to unpick that and i think coming back to you know improve the person and everything else improves you know and yeah it's going back to that that lesson or that the teaching will keep repeating itself itself until you learn the lesson right so you don't face it it's going to keep repeating in different scenarios so it's like yeah as you said earlier it's not the situation, it's the circumstance, it's you. What do you need to deal with? And that kind of leads me to my last question now. So the last question that I really wanted to ask was, how can coaches actually get that ongoing support when it comes to creating a new story and unlocking their freedom? Like, how can people get in contact with you and what coaching are you providing? So this is really access for coaches to kind of get that support early on if they're aware and they're listening to this. Yeah, I mean... First of all, I would say that, you know, to be honest with yourself, uh, you know, to kind of really want to begin to bring that awareness to yourself. And for me, like, so leaving sport, I put stuff out there. Oh, this is what's helped me. This whole process of speaking to, you know, all of these people kind of, I've asked everyone, well, what do you need as part of your development? And this is what this mentorship is formed of, kind of the, uh, at the moment the name is the lost to liberated blueprint because it was just lost to liberated that word came up so much that it was just um it just stood out to me um but really it's a mentorship so it runs kind of like it's, it's eight weeks and i suppose there's a um another word there's a curriculum there's a program to go through to really begin to under, understand this and so one there's a phase one to look at how you show up um, kind of looking at very much the stuff that we just spoken about and then two is about okay well there's work to do you know highlight the work from phase one phase two is about well the work what is the work the work is about creating a new story and so understanding really kind of picking into your beliefs looking at kind of the boundaries and the blocks you know the blocks like the blocks could be as simple as an example would be you know i don't know maybe someone's going to go for a job uh, see a job advert and they think oh yeah that that, that sounds really exciting and all of a sudden that voice will come in you're not you're not experienced enough for that you're not you can't do that oh you won't be good like that's a clear example of that blueprint coming to the surface just whether you pay attention to it whether you can see it it's just a thought and that's a self-judgment thought and so yeah. that thought is then based on an assumption and so another part of the blocks is to okay well how do i test that assumption you know kind of what uh, all you can do is prepare you know an interview is an interview isn't it and, and uh, it's uh, they're not the nicest of things but to be, be be aware of those upper limit problems those upper limit thought behaviors really of like those negative chats um and then so that's level that's phase two and then phase three is about unlocking your freedom and so looking at direction and looking at um harmony i suppose and a common one would you harmony with about work-life balance and i think that's a misleading term because work-life balance assumes that there's a problem to solve but it's not a problem to solve it's a pro- it's a it's a situation to manage and so rather than being of oh, finding the perfect balance, I, I see it more like a figure of eight. You sort of come in and out of both. And both, if you're looking at both, you know, work, work and life are just, 
you could call them polarities. One is work and life. That could apply to so many different things, um, but the common one is work and life. And so you're finding a way to kind of get these guardrails in place that, okay, we need to, need to focus on work and need to focus on family. But what are, the, what are the action points that you can take with that? And what are the early warning signs to say that you're going too far into, you're crossing, the, crossing your guardrails? And yeah, it's just that kind of, that's how I see it, the figure of eight. And then direction, you know, people talk about purpose and I kind of want to be aligned, want to create an impact. And I think impact and purpose and, you know, uh, I think those aren't, I don't think those are destinations. And the reason I say that, you know, certainly with impact and the performance sport, the, the obvious thing people will say about performance sport they want to support someone to achieve an olympic medal or a championship success that's the common one that people were here certainly i think what i used to think at university whereas speaking with people who have done that and with this in this process multiple people many many people have done that and the people i spoke to a, a common i guess uh reflection is that oh they've done it great this emotion is going to hit me and it doesn't hit them and so Oh no! Well, does that mean I'm successful? Why am I? Why am I unhappy? Like the athletes I supported have achieved this wonderful thing, and so to me, then purpose is not a destination. It's it's based on feeling, you know. It's that it's that lightness. Like and so to me, well, there's a I guess a navigation system. One, it's the values, and two, it's the feeling. So the feeling being what lifts you, what makes you come alive. And so for me, for example, now, you know, it's the lightness that someone experiences. If I've helped contribute to someone feeling lighter about themselves, so that could be, oh, they've done well in something, or, you know, um, I volunteer once a week. I do breath work for um, a cancer organization near where I live in Brighton. And so, you know, such simple, simple interventions. But the, the result of being able to teach people some very simple things and then they go and do the work and they practice themselves they feel the benefit of what, what you know what they can do for themselves and that lightness maybe the situation that they're in doesn't change but maybe their experience of a day-to-day -day is is improving and so that lightness that someone is experiencing is to me that's what purpose means now so if that comes to supporting an athlete great but i think it's more those day-to-day that's the and the values kind of line up and it's this this it's this sailing in that direction and that's what i mean i don't think it's a destination i think i think if i'm honest it's about how can we make the lives of the people around us better even just a little bit you know that might not mean that might not be objectively measurable but it's the interactions and the connection that um yeah so that's the three phases sorry let's explain it. no i love that i love the detail that you gave as well and right at the end you reminded me of uh just just something that i'd heard nobody really gets into coaching to get rich right you're getting into coaching for the authenticity for the relationships for the passion of the sport it's finding out that why early on and not forgetting it and then not mm. compromising your values or your boundaries and things like that and i feel like you put it so eloquently people get lost on the way they know why they enter the sport and, and some people could want that gold medal. They could, they could want to be a part of an Olympic team. No qualms about that. But what I'm saying is that why kind of gets diluted. They end up getting lost and that it kind of throws them off the trajectory. So what you're doing then is going a little bit deeper into each coach's values and saying, okay, so what are the self-limiting behaviors? What are the values? What is the mission? What is the why? And and these are the tools and, and habits that you can implement yeah. to prevent, you know, hitting mm. the wall or hitting that burnout stage, whether hopefully they haven't experienced that yet. But mm. I love what you're doing. And I love the fact that it's obviously come from hardship. It's come from experience, but you're actually changing the industry with programs like this. It's not something that's... Um, well known it's not out there it's not there but you're putting yourself out there and and helping change the industry so i just yeah commend you for what you're doing thank you very much i would say you said about money then and kind of going into coaching for money and i when i agree you know like it's not the best paid and i, thought, I know it's a huge topic isn't it you know kind of jobs don't or people that apply it people put jobs out and they don't even they put competitive salary and i think that you know that alone needs to be more obvious but i, I would say that I don't, you know, the, the value, the financial value, 
is just one aspect of the value that someone is, you know, it's not just the financial transaction. It's yeah. the, you know, and I, it's being confident, coming back to that confidence in, in ourselves, in oneself, to be able to, okay, we're successful as Intio, right? Well, I, this is what I'm worth. And yes, I know there's a certain budget, but like, you know, I think, I think it requires all of us, maybe I'm not me, I'm not in that environment now, but to, one, we need to tackle this from a cultural point of view and looking at the, the associations and all this kind of stuff. But two, what's your value? Mm. And it's not just a financial transaction, you know, and to have the confidence again to say, well, this is not enough for me. This is, and this is not just a finite, like I said, not just, it's an energetic transaction. It's the investment. It's the change that you're bringing, the, what the value you're bringing to that role. Yeah. And, um, and I think these, you know, the more we can have these discussions around, around that, I think that's just going to help raise the, raise the bar for, for what's, what the industry is. Cause you think, you know, sport is a, there's plenty of money in sport. That's just yeah, how it gets. Sport, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not filtering so, down to the coaching that, staff. So. And that's what I mean. Like, like and that's what I, I think we need to be aware of that. You know, there, there's plenty of money in sport. Um, yeah. hmm. For sure. For sure. Well, let's change. Let's keep changing that narrative and the culture. Yeah. So thank you so much, Rich. Tell me, um, can you tell us how we get in contact with you? So if people want to reach out to you, let them know how they can find you. Um, so I'm on all the social media. So I'm on Twitter at Richard Husseini, uh, same at LinkedIn at Richard Husseini. Um, and then, uh, like I said, the, the, my website is the conscious life collective.com. Um, and then forward slash lost to liberated. And, um, there's a mentorship that starts next week. Um, there's, uh, only a few spaces left of that. Um, and then there'll be other ones, but um, I'm not sure when the next one will be, but there's a next one starting next week. That's incredible. Thank you so much for your time. And you. um, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you. I really appreciate it. Let me just. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love your support by leaving a rating or review on your chosen podcast player. You can also find us on social media using at LTAD network. Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50.